Well, hey, welcome to tonight's California Haunts Radio. How's everybody doing tonight? You know what? The weather in Northern California is absolutely beautiful. I wish it was like this all the time. This is how I want it. I don't want the heat. Don't like the heat. I'd rather have it like it is now. I love this. This is what I call island weather. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we've got a great show for you tonight. My guest is fabulous. Um, Vaughn, I hope I say his name correctly. I hate, I hate messing up names. I'm a journalist. I hate messing up people's names. Vaughn Brashler was on uh, Coast to Coast. I'll give them some credit on this. And I, I heard his show, and it was absolutely fascinating. It was about time slips and other phenomena. But the time slip thing got my attention because, as you guys know, I had something happen to me and a, and, a, and a friend while we were on our way to the movies one night, and we ended up all the way in Galt without realizing it was like an hour later. And we don't know if we went through a time slip and all that and, you know, how how the freeway tend, looked like it did when I was a little kid. Um, all the overpasses had leaves growing on them just, just like it did, you know, back, back in the 60s and 70s. So... You know, I used to think maybe I was, that we had been abducted, but after hearing Vaughn on the show, I began to think that maybe it was a time slip. Anyway, that's not the only thing this, this, this gentleman does. He's got uh, numerous books out, which I'll show you at the end of the show so you guys can purchase them. And um, he's, he, he, he's done all kinds of work, and he can tell us about all that. So without further ado, let's bring Vaughn in and start this show. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Thanks for inviting me. Hey, I'm so excited. After after hearing you, like I said on the other show, you made me really think about, um, I'm going to adjust here too. My camera's <laughs> wide angle. I'm not, I'm not used to this new camera because it's wide angle. <laughs> <laughs> so what I see on the main screen is completely different from what it does on this screen. Um, I don't want people to see my ugly room. Um, after listening to you, because like I said in the beginning, um, I thought that my friend and I had been abducted, you know, that, that it was one of those abduction deals where we lost time. But after listening to you talk about time slips, it made me re rethink everything. So before we get into all that, tell everybody about you, because you have a lot of books out on different topics of stuff you've done. You're a fascinating guy. Thanks. The first book I ever wrote really was on time. And, uh, I'm a journalist. You know, I, I, I thought at one time I'd write a novel and it was accepted. And I said, oh, no, I can't tell my personal life stories in a book. And it's now that's all I do. You know, it's good grief. You know, so um, the first book was on uh, perfect timing and, and that was on Coast to Coast. And I thought, wow. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to write about ghosts and dreams and, and energy healing and uh, in your special bond with your cat and your dog and it's like I thought no you're here for one reason and one reason only and it occurred to me that it was this so this is my fourth book really on time and um, I'm still I'm still kind of wandering like everyone I like like you I've had these experiences where it's like I can't account for what happened but but there's time. I there's a time whole time block I can't account for or suddenly the room looked different or suddenly, suddenly I was somewhere else and it seemed like it was a different time. It might have been a different place. I've had experiences where I'm walking and suddenly I'm miles from home. And uh -huh. it's like, what's that, you know? So I think a lot of people actually, I wrote this because people would call me, would we get on these shows and they would say, well, what about time slips? And it occurred to me that everybody, almost everybody's experiencing something like a time slip. 
And it's a shift in time. It's an accidental, accidental shift in time. And we tend to say, well, uh, it was daydreaming or I was, it was delusional or I was kind of like um, having a flight of imagination. It never happened because you can't really validate it. These are very personal, personal stories. And there's usually no collaboration. But sometimes, as I found in, in investigating and in interviewing people, sometimes there is collaboration and you can document them and they become much more than just somebody's flight of fancy. They become an actual shift in time. Well, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm a movie buff. Everybody I interview, I end up like comparing stuff to movies and people roll their eyes. But yeah. I'm thinking of that movie with Christopher, with Christopher Reeve. Somewhere uh, in time. When I love goes, that. Yeah. When he goes back, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I have had clients call me. Um, I had one client out in Folsom call me asking me if we want to go out and investigate this because at a, at a certain, certain times during the week, he would sit out front and he would see like a wagon train pass by his house. Oh, yeah. I've and Native that. Americans and the whole thing. And I thought, well, that's really weird. You're either... You know, you're either seeing a replay of something or there's a break there's a break in time or something that there that you're seeing. I experienced that on Mount Hood in Oregon. One reason I didn't want to leave Oregon was I seemed to be in a place where this happened a lot. The the Native Americans from the Warm Spring reservation on Mount Hood would gather there in the summer and they called it Brightwood. So I lived in Brightwood and it's like in the summer they would just pop in and pop out, you know, like spirit walkers. And it was like, whoa. And I would see sometimes, it was one of the five major Oregon trails, the Barlow Trail, right in front of my house. And, and, and so from time to time, I and other people would see what looked like settlers or, or, or people with wagon trains. They'd stop and they were gaunt and they were dirty and they were tired and they'd lean. They'd, they'd, they'd sit on the ground against, with their back against the wagon and poof, they were gone. You know, this happened over and over. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot of cases like that. That's why when I, I heard you on, on the Coast to Coast, I had to have you on because, you know, I, I've seen I've seen and heard about too much of that stuff. Yeah. You had a lot of good stories to tell. Can you share some of the stories as well? Like you told your own story, but you, you had a few others to tell about it. Yeah. So, you know, I've interviewed people. My, my mother had a story like this. Um, when she, when I was a little boy, and this goes to the fact that most people don't want to talk about this because people don't want to hear it. It doesn't make any sense. It makes you look crazy. So she, but she would tell her little toddler, me, about this story. That when she was a little girl, at a, uh, she lived on a farm, a wheat farm in North Dakota, and she one day uh, on the late, she, it's very often in a late. Um, afternoon like just before dusk and very often it's like late summer or early fall it just seems like it works that way a lot well anyway it was such a case and she's sitting out she's standing on the porch and she looks across the backyard from her farmhouse and there's a young man in a white shirt who's opening the the, the gate the wooden gate to the corral and he opens it and she doesn't seem to recognize him and he closes it and then he disappears. And she told me that over and over. And um, she said, isn't that strange? <laughs> so years later, her younger brother, Vern, who was in the Navy and, and developed uh, uh, an illness, um, he, uh, he died. And um, 
And we went back on the train to North Dakota to her farmhouse. Mm -hmm. And I went with her. I was like maybe five. And she, on the way back, she told me she had the same vision. She said, I, at the end of the day, she stood there. It was late summer. And she looked across from the porch, the back porch. And a, a young man in a white shirt was opening the wooden gate. He opened it. And just before she clo he closed it, she looked at his face and she knew him. It was the way her brother, Vern, who had just died, looked just um, when he was like in the Navy, when he was a young man. But he would not have looked that way, of course, back then when she first had the picture. So you say this is like a, pic a scene out of time. Mm -hmm. And so I got to thinking, you know, a lot about, we see a lot of ghosts, you hear ghost stories, and I've written about them, and everyone's talked about them, and they're very compelling, and it's like, it's sad, right? These people can't, like, leave the earth, you know, they don't want to leave the earth. Maybe we're just looking at a moment in time that is there now, merging with our now, momentarily. Interesting, interesting. Well, that's kind of like the theory that ghost hunters do have about, you know, something being an imprint, you know, where, where, there's, where, where there's an imprint in time right there, and you just happen to hit it right at the right moment. Or someone, maybe somebody took a bath you know, every Saturday night at 8 o'clock at night and had to walk down the hallway to the bathroom, and that's what you see, you yeah. know? It's but, true. It's true. And, 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 and ghosts like certain, uh, certain uh, places, and the time doesn't seem to mean anything to them because they're like a spirit form. But, you know, when we all travel in time, whether it's accidentally in a time slip or a controlled time shift, we're all kind of moving as spirit. We're not moving physically as a rule anywhere. Mm -hmm. Do you think it might be a parallel universe that, that, that we end up traveling into? Well, yeah, you could easily call it that because, you know, if you think of time as the fourth dimension, we live our lives in three dimensions. I like to say two because I'm not a three-dimensional thinker. You know, but it's like there's side to side, up and down, and then there's this kind of depth perception, which I can't quite grasp, because the really depth perception kind of suggests linear thinking, and I don't think that makes any sense. So I don't think that's really a viable. Anyway, so that's it. That's the limits of our world. That's the box we live in, up and down, side to side, in depth. And it's like we can't see outside that box. We're all kind of like the people described in Plato's allegory of the cave. It's like what's out there because we're inside the cave. Well, it makes all that makes sense. And you know, you look back at people who visit um, Italy or different parts of, of, of Greece where they've seen the, the Roman army, you yeah. know, march, marching down streets or marching from wall to wall, that sort of thing going on. Yeah. You know, where they just hit. Yeah, the lights of Marfa, Marfa lights in Texas. Right. People, people are always seeing Indians or battles or something, and it's like, whoa, that's a very common thing. But it always happens like at dusk or just past dusk, very often on a late summer night, once again. So I look for these parallels. It's like, how do you set it up? When does it happen? Under what conditions? It, it does seem that there are certain areas uh, that are, are uh, uh, likely to produce these kind of time shifts. I think I, I agree with you with the conditions as well, because that's something as paranormal investigators we look at too. You know, like when I'm out in the field doing an investigation, I'm in there, I'm marking the weather down every 30 minutes to see what the conditions are, what the humidity is, you know, so if there is an you know, apparition that appears or something happens that, that we can compare it with other cases to see if maybe there's a pattern. 
Well, you're very brave. And I was trained to be a ghost hunter by a woman who was very good. She says, go in there, get to meet them, sit down with them, tell them to put down their coat and explain to them that they're physically dead. They have to go on. And it's like, oh, okay, Helen, I'll do that. But then I, I, I encountered some that were, were not deceased people. They were not deceased pets. They were um, non-human entities. And it's like I said, I, I want nothing to do with this. Yeah, you you do run into those. <laughs> it's just part. It's just part of the job. But you yeah. know, you, you try to not. You, you try to avoid those at all costs. Don't tell you have to be able to. The one that strangled me kind of got my attention. <laughs> I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. It's, just, had, it's just, just kidding. You don't have to leave. Okay, I'll leave. How's that? Yeah. I've had yeah. things. Yeah, I've had things. Um, get uh, get on top of me. You know, they're gonna follow me home and scratches and the whole ball game. So yeah. 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 Well, this one, this one burned down the house, killed the dog, destroyed the family. And it's like, no. So someone said, you know, you have to own that. You walked away from it. I said, yeah, I was cowardly. I walked away from it. Maybe the last thing I do, I'm going to go back there in the woods and find it. Well, you know what I've heard? And I think I've seen a pattern with this too, is you take something on like that and it may not bother you now. Yeah. But sometime in the future, when you have a weak moment, something's going to happen. You know, yeah, so, you might have an illness or something, but yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll but come. Anyhow, tell me, you know, tell these times of things are fascinating. And and how do you think, it, like you say, how, like, like we talked a little bit about how it works. How, how do you think it works? I mean, is it, is it just a piece of time, that, a, a rip in time, or is it just something, like you say, that certain conditions that this has to ha you know have to happen? There, there, do, there do seem to be certain conditions. I, I think there is some, something like a portal or a, a, an energy vortex or, or a, a, a meridian grid or something. Mm -hmm. there's, there's some areas that seem to produce these more often and they, don't pre, and, and they don't seem to be necessarily lasting. You know, they'll come and go, come and go, you know. So it's kind of like, I like the idea of like a grid or something, you know, it's something like it's a shifting grid or a portal. And, 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 and people will sometimes experience it, and sometimes they won't experience it. But the one thing that always seems to me is, is like there's certain times of the day or times of the year it happens. Mm -hmm. But the one very reliable thing that seems to be true in most all these cases that I've looked into is the uh, consciousness state of the person that walks into it. You have to get deep inside yourself, very quiet, very still. Very often they're very alone and they kind of like tune it all out they're like, their body is getting kind of numb. You know, we would call this almost like a meditative state, but right. they're going through like a consciousness shift, you see. Right. They're, they're an altered state of consciousness. And then it's like, they just slide right in. And then I it's love. Yeah, uh, my experience, sorry to interrupt, sir. I don't like to interrupt people. Uh, my experience driving down the freeway that night was that it was quiet in the car and it was like a swirling effect when it happened. It was like, it was like, it was like one of those, one of those things you see in a video, you know, that kind of swirls. And then there I was looking at the bridges that were like they were when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's very, uh, in, in a sense, it's very disturbing because it just takes you and moves you somewhere. Mm -hmm. and it's like, I mean, it totally moves you somewhere. You might be in a, a different time and you'll most likely be at a different place. And, and, and then you're back and it's like, whoa. And it's like, how do you explain that? And it's like, right. I, you can't. 
What about people um, that travel to the future? Yeah. So uh, we all do this, you know, we all do this. So I, 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 I tell people, have you ever had a daydream? You know, like a waking dream? And it's like really lucid. And it's like, you were there, but now you're here. And it's like, well, where were you? It's like, oh, I was just daydreaming inside my head. It's like, were you inside your head? It's, it's describe what's inside your head. It's not what you're describing to me. It sounds like what you're describing to me was outside you. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess so. So I think that um, very often in our dreams, we can set these things up. We can actually set them up reliably well if we learn to control our dreams, uh, set, learn to set up um, lucid dreams. You can also give yourself a post-hypnotic suggestion, put your body and your mind to, I mean, your, ment your, your physical um, brain mind, put it to rest. And then you say, well, when my eyes close and when it all goes black, I'm going to, my mind's going to be racing at full speed and I'm going to go. And then you draw a picture. I like to draw a picture. No words, no words, because that's your analytical mind. Tune it out, mm -hmm. let it go and, 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 get in, and sketch a picture inside your mind with your mind's eye. And you're drawing like a map of where you want to go what you want to see and, and, and what you want to learn. And that becomes like a, a, a very accurate roadmap. And it, can it take you where you want to go? Sure. You know, it's like, it's, it's like ends of a magnet, you know, your, you, your thoughts can go wherever you, you want them to go. You can direct your thoughts. And if you know where you're going, yeah, every, every good traveler, you know, has a map and, and, and packs for the trip. And, and so it is with this. If you're going to, you're going to set something up, you need to prepare for the journey with a map. So I always say, oh, you know, don't talk to yourself, you know, tune out that analytical mind and let your higher consciousness take you there. And first of all, you sketch a picture and it means a lot to you. It doesn't have to be a great drawing. It could be a sketch drawing. I, I can only draw stick men. But, um, you know, this is very reliable. You know, the ancients going back to Chaldea or going back to Egypt or even early Greece, they had dream temples. They would have these dream temples with attendants and people would go there to have insightful dreams outside their body, outside time and space. You know, these were, were, were profound moments of discovery for people. They actually did dream work in the ancient world. Have you... Um you say you've interviewed a lot of people about this stuff. Have you been able to interview anybody that actually went to the future? You know, I've talked to a lot of people that have gone to the future and, and back to dreams, you know, people who have prophetic dreams, where do you think they get these prophetic dreams? They just, somebody just hands you, here's your dream. You know, no, you actually went there and you saw this yourself. You saw it on a deep level of, of, of insight. And you come back much like a shaman who goes forward or backward in time, much like a Samadhi mystic in the East who goes backward or forward in time. You leave your body, you know, in, in, a, in a lucid dream and you go forward in the future and you see something. Many people have had profound prophetic dreams of the future and they turn out to be absolutely accurate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... In your studies, what, what have you found to be the common denominator in all this? I know you were talking about the weather conditions and, the, and maybe the seasons, but is there, are there any other common denominators in all this with, with the personalities of people, or can it happen to anybody? 
Yes, it's consciousness shift, a shift in consciousness. Mm -hmm. it's, it's activating a heightened uh, awareness within you. It's tuning out your, your, your brain, which, which people often call the mind. You know, it's like people talk to me about mindfulness. Don't talk to me about mindfulness. Talk to me about heightened awareness. You know, I want to I want I want to meet the the me that's inside the spirit inside me. This is the one that knows everything that has happened and knows everything that will happen. Interesting. And that, that, you know, you make me wonder about stuff because I also had a client that lived out in the full lived out in the Folsom area who was standing out in her backyard and a shaman, she, she saw what appeared to be a Native American shaman. And he mm. was well aware of her. He was on the other side of her fence, you know, yeah. staring at her. But he yeah. was well aware of her. And, you know, I thought, well, maybe it was an apparition that she saw. But see, that's what I mean. The more you talk about these types of flips, the more I'm just like, okay. So I, so I was on Mount Hood and I'm walking through the woods, as I often like to do up in Brightwood. And I just loved it there. It was so enchanted. I mean, you know. And the woods were magical, they really were. And I was thinking about these, these warm spring Indians that used to gather there in the summer. And right in front of me pops this, this really tall Native American in full regalia, you know, bright red and yellow and orange and black and brown you feathers, you know. It looked like he must have been a shaman. He was, he was incredible. And he seemed like, he seemed to notice me and he was startled. And of course, I was startled to be suddenly in front of him. And I just yelled at him and I said, you don't believe, belong here. This isn't your time. And he disappeared. You know, I think he was a time traveler. And this is, this is so true of the shamanic tradition. They would, they would go into these trances, uh, um, like spirit walkers, uh, skin walkers, dream walkers, right. and they would um, go forward or backward in time easily. That's really interesting. Really interesting. Have you um have you seen those? And I don't know if they're they're photoshopped, but the photos of the people that are in the are way like in the eighteen hundreds, and, and it appears somebody's on a cell phone. Yeah. So there's that wonderful story of. Um, of Charlie Chaplin's opening uh, movie, I think it was Modern Problems, mm -hmm. and um, it was a debut and uh, big opening night. Everybody's there. Charlie Chaplin movies were a big deal in in, in the time, and uh, they're all excited. They're all outside waiting to get inside and see the movie. And and the and the many people witnessed this and described it later on. Because it would, this was covered by the press, the Charlie Chaplin debut night, and and they talked about this woman that was oddly dressed, walking back and forth with something held up to her head, and she seemed to be talking into it, but they couldn't hear anyone talking to her. Mm -hmm. Now this this would be a common sight today. We'd call that a cell phone or a mobile mm -hmm. mobile phone. Um, in Star Trek, they would have called it their communicator, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like after after the folks in Star Trek had them, we had them, and now we've all got them. And but back in Charlie Chaplin's time, nobody had them. So the the question was, what was she doing? So there was a lot of speculation whether she was a crazy woman or what. But she kept walking back and forth trying to talk to somebody, and and she seemed like disturbed, like nobody could hear her, and she was having trouble talking to somebody, holding this thing up to her head. And all they could hear was this woman seemingly talking to herself. 
Interesting. Very interesting. And then, and then she disappeared. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I also heard a story about a gentleman who had been on a walk. He went for a walk and he never returned, but somehow he got hit. He, he somehow got in the future, got hit by a car. Oh, Rudolph Fence. Yes, Can you tell me about that one. So Rudolph Fence, this happened in 1950, New York. Rudolph Fence, um, I'm getting a little ahead of the story. He, he, was, a, <laughs> he was a mysterious uh, 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 motor fatality. Uh, people described seeing this man in New York in 1950 who was dressed in a top hat, an out-of-date suit, like he was like from a bygone era, handlebar mustache, he looked so out of place. And he was like dancing in the street or actually trying to dodge cars. And he seemed to be afraid of them, confused by them, as though he'd never seen a car. And he was, of course, unfortunately struck and killed by a car. So they took him to the morgue and they tried to figure out well, what this strange man was doing out there. Who was he? So they go through his pockets and they find these really old coins really old. Some of them they'd never seen before. And then they found a livery bill from a livery stable in Philadelphia. And they found other old documents. I mean, they just looked like they didn't belong in 1950. And then they found a, what looked like kind of a business card, but it only said, Dr. Rudolph Fence. No phone number, no address. So Hmm. They didn't know what to do. So the police checked for the, the morgue. And, and I mean, uh, sorry, they checked uh, from the morgue, they checked for uh, missing persons. And there was no report of such a person missing. So they waited a few days. Maybe somebody would report him missing. No, no. So then they didn't know what to do. And um, they, they looked uh, in the phone book. <laughs> Rudolph Fence, there's a name. Is, is that somebody who knew him? Is that who he was? Who knows? So they looked in the phone book and there was a Mrs. Rudolph Fence. And they called on her, the police. And she was an elderly woman. Elderly woman. She was a widow. And she said, my husband was Rudolph Fence Jr. She said, what happened to him? Because we found a man, maybe we shouldn't tell you, but has he been missing? No, no, he died some time ago. Well, we found a man in the street with a card, said Dr. Rudolph Fence. She said, well, that's funny because my son said that when she, he was a boy years and years ago, his father, Dr. Rudolph Fence, went for a walk one night, a stroll, as he put it, and he never came home. That was many years ago, she said. So this was actually reported in Collier's magazine by a writer called Jack Finney in uh, November 15, uh, 1951. And he thought people wouldn't ex accept the story as, as anywhere near accurate, but a crazy story. So he wrote it like a crazy story. But then people looked more and more into it and said, well, this had to be somebody who just wandered in from the past. So it, it's, a, it's a controversial story, but it, it, it does have some credibility in that the police investigated it, wrote a report, and it was in Collier's magazine. Wow. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. 
it's hard to wrap your head around. You know, to, you can imagine what it, it, if it is true what the poor guy was going through. It was like something out of the Twilight Zone. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So this happens all the time. So there, there were the there were the three boys in uh, Kersey, England, uh, who uh, wandered into uh, the Middle Ages. They were uh, engineer. Uh, we call them uh, map map reading test, mm -hmm. and they were scouts. And they were out there. These are young adolescent boys, and they are. They're trying to find on their map an old town called Kersey in England, Suffolk County. And so they think they've got it. And so they start walking in. And when they walk in, they start, they hear a church bell ring and then it stops. And then they hear nothing. They hear no birds. They hear nothing, no rustling of the trees. In fact, the trees don't move. Um, they describe an oddity as to nothing has a shadow. They describe geese in a pond that don't move. Oh. They walked through the town and they saw buildings, old buildings, really old that were smeared green. They were whitewashed, only whitewashed buildings. And they were, the windows were smeared green. They looked in some of the windows and they saw no furnishings, no people, nothing. So they left. And as they, oh, they, they saw a puff of smoke when they first entered the town, but then no more smoke. And then the bell they heard ring once and that's it. Everything else was still and motionless. When they leave, they heard a bell ring again. Although they, they tried to find when they walked through this, this town of Kersey, they tried to find the source of the bell, and the source of the smoke they initially encountered. They couldn't find either. When they left, they heard the bell ring again briefly. And then they got back and they reported what they saw. And well, their scoutmaster wasn't very pleased with them. <laughs> and, and said, well, you know, um, what you describe is like uh, a scene out of time. I mean, that's not the way Kersey looks. I mean, Kersey is a bustling little town in Suffolk County, and and this is crazy. But they kept they, these boys, all three of them stuck to the story. And later on, it was investigated by the British group Psychic Research Society. And one of their top researchers looked into it. And they found that what they described was the way Kersey looked during the Black Plague, and the windows were marked green, and there was death everywhere. The church was not yet built during that time. Uh, it nearly wiped out the village, and it, it was later reported in a, in, a, in, a, in a book. You know, I mean, this is this is collaborated by three different people who had the same experience further collaborated by their description of the shops that they described, which they were able to uh, document actually had survived for hundreds of years. Although none of the shops they described are currently standing. Huh. Do you, um, do you get reports that when this, like when somebody is awake doing this stuff, like you were talking about dreams earlier, Yep. are, are they fatigued afterwards? Because that's gotta be a huge drain on energy. 
boy, it sure drains me. Oh, my goodness, I feel drained. Um, so I worked for a while with a, a, a teacher named Louis Gittner, who was a mm -hmm. renowned psychic, and he would recline on his back much like um, the sleeping prophet, uh, Edgar Casey. And he was so tired when he would get up from those encounters. And he would, he would uh, as he would say, he would um, meet with the energies and they would talk to him, you know, and he would listen. And um, it's very, very tiring to do this sort of work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's why I wanted to bring that up so, you know, so everybody understands that because what people don't realize is even, at, even at, as a ghost hunter, if you get what I call boost by a ghost, um, <laughs> You're pretty much exhausted the next day. So I have to tell this story about Lewis Gettner. He's a wonderful man. Yeah. And he gave tirelessly to his students, and he didn't worry about his fame and glory. If you found him, he would teach you. If you didn't find him, good luck to you. You know He's not going <laughs> to seek you out because he wasn't about money or fame or anything. But he was the real deal. And uh, he, um, he, he, he went uh, and visited the people at Fintorn, uh, Dorothy McLean, and found out they were getting simultaneous uh, messages from, from beyond. Uh, the energies were speaking to them. But um, Lewis, Lewis um, he would get so tired after these things, and, and um, he, would, he would have an enormous appetite. And he, he happened to be a gourmet chef, which made it worse because he, he could make marvelous things. And he, became, he had uh, health problems. And we worried about him, his heart, you know, he had heart attacks. And, um, and I found a, a fellow once um, who um, I talked to him about, Lewis Gettner, and he said, I'm a, a registered nurse by training. He said, I'm going to go and talk to Lewis. He ended up staying several years and becoming his personal um, nurse. And he said, I, I saw him years later, and he said, Lewis uh, died a normal life, lived a normal life, regained uh, a normal physique, and I, get, I got him um, uh, healthy again. And I said, that's wonderful. But it is exhausting. I understand. I, yeah, I really understand. I wanted to ask you, uh, along the lines of time travel, and, um, what do you think of the Philadelphia experiment? Oh yeah, okay, that's a good one. So th this is this is like a, an example of a thought form, <laughs> your group thought form. So everybody talks about the Philadelphia experiment, and it's like, well, this this ship, you know, um, what it did is miraculous. What it did is example uh, of of uh, uh, militaries uh, delving into time travel, actually. <laughs> it's an urban legend. And, and, and having said that, I'll, I'll say that the actual true story is even more incredible because it was tied to the dock and it never went anywhere. But the ship tied next to it, next to it, was um, being used by the Department of the Navy uh, to develop a secret uh, technique for cloaking uh, a ship with invisibility. This is way before the Klingon Empire thought of it, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. The cloaking device. So they had the cloaking device. And, and, and this, is, this was a hush-hush thing. So people naturally were talking about this hush-hush thing over there with that ship. And of course, people thought, well, it's the Philadelphia, you know? So, so well, it was actually the ship next to it. So in this case, um, yeah, so obviously, the United States government believes in invisibility. 
And invisibility is a very interesting subject, not akin, not, not, not alien to time travel. Well, let's talk about that a little bit then. Okay. I mean, if you, <laughs> yeah, if you can, um, if you can make, there are, there are advanced uh, exercises in yoga to make one invisible. It's very difficult. I haven't gotten there yet, but I've read about it. There's a book on this, you know, and it's like, whoa, this can't be. And yet I've gone back and I've read the source material from the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. It is actually a yoga exercise, a meditation exercise. You can supposedly make yourself invisible. So, so I, you know, it occurs to me that this is what happens, you know, and it's like you're here and then you're somewhere else and then you're back again. You're traveling. Mm -hmm. you're, you're traveling in time. So it's actually taking the spirit and leading you somewhere else. You know, it's um, it's um, it's like invisibility. You're you're shifting effortlessly along um, levels of reality. Well, for people that, that I know, after the show, there's going to be people trying this. Oh yeah. But should people be afraid that they can't get back to where they started? No, 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 no. because you know it's like. It's it's you to you. It's like it's like it's like uh, opposing ends of a of a magnet. You know, whenever you dream, you always come back. You know, whenever you, if you ha if you try astral projection, let's say, you always come back. You know, there's no fear. There's no worry because your spirit knows that it has a symbiotic relationship with your physical body. So that is that is its current uh, vehicle. <laughs> you know, it'll always come back. You know, so all, you don't have to think about this, you know, put yourself at rest, you know, still the mind, allow the spirit to leave the body and explore, you know, and to grow and to learn. And this is what we're supposed to be doing. So rest assured that at the other end, wherever spirit takes you, all it needs to do is need to get back and it goes back. It's just like snap. It's like instantaneous. It's like. It's like how fast our thoughts can travel. Mm -hmm. uh, it is literally how, how fast our thoughts can travel because our consciousness, in fact, can travel at the speed of light. Interesting. We talked a little bit about this earlier, um, about these geniuses that come up with these, these wonderful ideas, you know, the, that the high technology. And, you know, we, we kind of were talking about the Klingons and all this. Oh yeah, but Gene Roddenberry certainly must have been must have been a traveler. I mean, for the stuff he came up with, because eventually we used a lot of that. I think he had to see something out there that, that other people don't see. I mean, there's so much of what what uh, was described um, that became accurate. You know, um, the flip phones, <laughs> the teletransporters. You know, so many things. You know, the, the description of slip speed, uh, warp speed, you know, the, the whole idea of, of traveling in time at, 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 at a speed exceeding that of, of, of light is, is, is abs absolutely rooted in, in uh, modern physics. Um, and then you look at, um, my mind, my mind is jello, uh, the trip to the moon. What's the yeah. name? The, the guy that wrote Trip to the Moon as well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, right. Uh, right. Rice Burroughs, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So that was, uh, 
That was pretty interesting. That was too. It was, yeah. really was interesting. Yeah. So um, what do you say to people that, that, that want to try to do this? I mean, uh, do you encourage people to, to attempt this or, or would you rather than work with somebody that's, that's done it before or what? I would say learn to do dream work, dream travel, learn to control your dreams. This is in Samadhi mysticism. This is what they do with the novices. They teach them how to control their dreams, how to set up waking lucid dreams and to, to figure where they want to go, where they want to go, what they want to learn, what they want to see. And these become voyages of the spirit, voyages of discovery and, and personal insight. And this is exactly the way shamans do it, too. They go forward or backward in time for the benefit of their people uh, as perfect witnesses of what they've seen and learned. And can people learn this uh, via meditation? Yes, yes. Uh, meditation is a great example of it. You know, you can, you can either do it in meditation, you can set it up, I call this self-programmed time shifts, or you can do it, you know, in, in, in uh, programming a dream. You know, um, it can be a, a waking daydream. You don't have to, you know, you can, eyes open, eyes closed. You can do it before you go to sleep. You can program yourself with a post-hypnotic suggestion. The body goes to rest. The mind goes to rest. I'm not going to have a fistful, fitful night of thinking about things of the past or the future, mulling, you know, wrestling with things in my head. I'm not going to have memories. I'm going to tune it all out and let it rest. In, in the body, in the mind, feel very happy to get the night off while you go and have a great night of exploration. This is really exciting stuff. But most people will experience time shifts accidentally as time slips. And it's very dis, uh, discombobulating for a lot of people to have these things happen. They have no way to relate to it. They can't talk about it. They're uncomfortable talking about it. They, they figure that it was delusional, didn't happen. They can't account for the missing time gaps and, and, and the odd things they've seen. So they say, well, I don't know what it was, but that was, that was very weird. Well, was it really weird or was it the spirit within you wanting to explore and see more? This is what we should do. We should get in connection to the spirit within us, you know, our true self, our inner self. This part of it, this uh, part of us that's eternal, and it's part of us that's energy, this light force within us, and allow it to be free and explore and, and grow and learn and have insight. You know, what what other function does it have? Walking around inside us all day, bumping into trees and things. It's kind of you know below its pay grade, isn't it? That's the other thing I was going to mention. I've known psychics um, out in the field that whether they go back in time, you know, that's what they're seeing, or, you know, you know that whole um, thing with the ghosts repeating themselves. But I've seen psychics in different buildings walk yeah. into walls because they yeah. see a door there. Yeah, they'll see a door there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we have to also realize that we live in three dimensions and, and, and that, that there are alternate realities and alternate universes that are very near us, you know, like just, um, just a bend in, 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 in space, you know, a fold in, in space. And I always think of like a, a map. Physicists sometimes talk about this in the multiverse theory. You take a map and you fold it and you fold it and you fold it. Well, 
you know, the difference between Toledo and Calcutta is really, really close, but it's just on the other side of the map. But it's just, a, it's just like a thin membrane away. And, and so it is with us. I mean, we can't see beyond our three dimensions. We can't perceive anything normally beyond our five physical senses. You know, we can't think in terms that are not linear. But the world is, is more than that. Creation is much more than that. And, 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 and as a co-creator in, in, in our world, we should be more than that. Do you think, um, the question I have is about the people that go to the future. Do you think that the future is absolute? Do you think that it can be changed? Like if somebody comes back and says, hey guys, I, I, I was there, I see this happening, you know, and it's not good for, you know, for humanity. Think, do you think future can be changed? I mean, that's a really good question. I would say this, that I think that um, the there is a destiny involved here. Time is really looped. It's an elongated loop. It's not a line forward. It's like walking uh, on a voyage of discovery toward the horizon. You never reach the horizon. Eventually, you go around the world and you're back where exactly where you started. Mm -hmm. Time is like a loop. And it's like where you get on the loop, it depends on your perception, your you're, we are fixed on this time and place, the here and now, because that's where our perception is. But if you shift it with, with heightened consciousness, you can see another time, another place. So you say there's a destiny involved. This is where the energy of everything that's happened up till now seems to be pushing us in this direction. So you say astrologically, it looks like tomorrow is not a good day to travel. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of variables, and it's not totally, totally set. You know, I always think of the, the ripple effect, you know. You know, you throw a pebble in a pond, and it completely changes the pond surface. One little pebble. So there are many variables that can affect the future, but certainly to go forward or backward in time informs us what seems to be happening. And we at least have control over today, right now, where we are. Well, that brings the other question of now that we talked about the future, if you go back in time and you do something that could affect time, would that change the role of well, things? Well, you can't. I mean, you really, okay. you really, you really can't go back. I mean, because you're not going to go back. You're not going to go back with arms and legs, and you know, you're not going to go back with a gun to shoot Hitler. You're not going to go back with a pen to to, to save Aunt Billy's farm. You know, you, what? It's not like quantum leap. They yeah, it's not like, it's, not like, it's not like quantum leap. No, <laughs> he does have fun, doesn't he? Yes, he does. And Dr. Beckett is like, when does he get to rest for God's sake? Jeez. Um, but yeah, I mean, you 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 go back as like a for the most part, we go back as an etheric body and we're seeing things. I always think of the writings of Carlos Castaneda. My my Mexican friends say Castaneda. But golly sakes, I mean, he talks so much about stopping the world. He talked about being a perfect witness and being come, becoming like dust on the road and, and going into non-ordinary reality. I mean, there you have a formula how to do this. But you have to live a perfect life. You have to, you have to get your physical life in order in order to leave that perfect life and occasionally travel in spirit form. Mm -hmm. so, so I think that the, we, we really can't change the past 
Uh, we, what we can learn from the past, it's informing us as to where we are, which should be very useful to people um, to, to know uh, how you got to where you are and, and, and to, to recall uh, why you're here. <laughs> what, why am I here? I mean, what is life all about? What am I supposed to be doing? So it, it, it is informative. And then you look into the future and then it, it, once again, it advises you what's coming next. That is absolutely fascinating. This is great. I'm enjoying this, this talk immensely. I'm learning so much from you. How many years have you been studying this? It's really hard to say. I guess that kid back in 1959 started me off, although he wouldn't fess up that he was part of the part of the, the game. Then okay. um, that newspaper guy in the 30s, you know, he was kind of like getting me ready. And then um, I don't know, but I didn't start writing any of these books until 2000. The first one came out in 2002. So it's it's really been recent that I've started putting it all down. It all just seemed too crazy. I didn't think there was anybody out there that was having these strange, strange situations in their life. People like Lewis Gittner talking to them or people handing them books or people offering to teach them yoga, you know, time travelers slipping in and out saying, here, kid, do this, do that. You know, people calling from India saying, oh, I need you to to uh, to move in the light and say, what in the world are you talking about? And it turns out he's written a book about it. But two years ago, he died. You know, it's like so. I mean. I used to think, my God, I'm having some weird delusions. Well, I've met a lot of people having strange delusions, and I'm beginning to see a pattern. We're the ones that are trying to open our eyes. Um, all that information, uh, to me, it's, it would be information overload. How did you, like was your first book, how did you manage to get it in, in a semblance of order where it didn't sound crazy? Oh, this will sound really crazy, and I don't think I've ever said it. Mm -hmm. But I had a lucid dream where, where my dream teacher told me, I want you to write a book on time. And here are the eight things I want you to put in it. And I woke up and I started to write down the eight things that I could only remember seven. <laughs> That's how I wrote the seven secrets of time travel. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, uh, it, it's weird. But you've written so many books, though. I mean, I was, I was, I was really when I went and, and looked you up. The amount of books that you've written and the different topics is incredible. Well, I, I do keep a low profile. That helps. <laughs> <laughs> People think I'm mostly sane. <laughs> <laughs> but your main interest, like, like you do have a book about pets, you know, deceased pets and communication and stuff. But your main interest is time is time slips and stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, for for a long time, I thought this is it. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about how all of life is interrelated and interdependent, which I totally believe, and, and we're all consciousness basically, and we're all light bodies basically, and and even manifest energy of the physical world is is basically energy in a different form, and I thought well. This is it. I'll write this book on pets and how, how to work with our pets on a psychic and spiritual level. And so then I had a, a podcast for four and a half years. Uh, it was called uh, Healing with Your Pet, Our Psychic Spiritual Connection. And if you're really bored, you could go online and find some of these broadcasts. I'm going to have to do that. Yeah, I get, I get bored. I, I, now that you said that, the, the bait's out there for me to do that. 
So my producer said, Vaughn, this is just fine. We're getting a huge audience. Now go sell some, some, some ads. I said, I don't want to do that. And he said, well, I'm not going to do it. He said, my God, you know how big your audience is? And I said, well, maybe we should just stop. And he said, well, it's up to you. But yeah, that was something that got me rerouted for four and a half years. Well, people are into that. I mean, they want to know what's going on with their deceased pets and then, and then their current pets. I mean, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the man who wrote the book, uh, The Power of Now? Eckhart Tolle. He wrote, he wrote uh, I've met many, I've met many um, Zen masters in my life and all of them were cats. And I think, I think that's true. Cats, cats, <laughs> cats do their own thing, and I think they're a lot smarter than we are. They can I'll see spirits, too. Yes, they can. Yeah. They can figure stuff out. You know, you can just tell they're trying to figure you out when, you, when you're feeding them and stuff. You can just tell. You can just tell when they're looking at you that they're trying to figure out, you know, some way either to get around doing something or, you know, they're trying to read your mind. And I think a lot of time our, our pets are like um, – they're like guides. They're like spirit guides that have come here to help us. Because I think I've had the same cat several times, and it keeps coming back. And um, someone who can speak to cats from beyond told me once that the same cats keep coming back to help you, and they're light bringers, and they're and they're here to intercede for you. He said, "Why do you think they all die of stomach cancer?" I said, "Yeah, that is an odd thing. They all die of stomach cancer." And he said. They're intercepting it so you can live. Wow. I, I don't know, but it seems like it's likely true. Wow. Now, you said something a couple of minutes ago about all, all consciousness being connected. Do you think that as, as human beings and animals that, that we're all con connected somehow? I think. <laughs> really? I think we're all one soul. We're all chips okay. off the old block. You know, we're all chips off the one big boulder, and that's the one soul. There's only one soul. So, you know, like Carl Jung talked about the collect great collective unconsciousness, that we all, in fact, were Marie Antoinette. We were all Napoleon, so on and so on. And it's like, wow, everybody in the mental hospital thinks that they were, you know, really Napoleon. It's like, maybe we were. You know, we're, we're all connected. You know, all of life is connected, you know, like Cleve Baxter, you know, the secret life of plants and then secret life of souls, secret life of soil, that everything seems to have a, a connection to everything else. A psychic, spiritual connection. You know, every soul is cell in your body seems to know what every other cell in your body is doing. It can actually adapt pick up the slack for missing cells, something we're beginning to learn in allopathic medicine. You know, it's, it's profound, but I think that all of life is interrelated and interdependent because all of life is one. I think there's a oneness in all. That's kind of like um, that thing that was going around a few years ago, you know, the whole, uh, what is it, the nine points of uh, separation. Oh, yeah. 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 Nine degrees of separation. So, so, so I, I think this is it. And, and, and the sadness is that we all, so many people feel detached, fragmented, alienated, you know, and it's like, well, I mean, part of this is like we feel alienated from the earth and nature, you know, from mm -hmm. other animals, but also from other people in the, in, in reality, in our life and everything, you know, and it's like, we need to all hook up together. It's, you know, 
we're all one consciousness. We're all one soul. We're all one life. You know, we're here so that consciousness, intelligent energy can experience life in this way. And it will grow from that. Every one of us has a unique, important role in this to experience things and, uh, and to grow. And in that sense, we're all, we're all completing this creation process. This, is, this world is not fully created. It's kind of plastic. It's only half formed. It's like gelatin mold. You know, it's nothing solid. And everything is transformative. Everything is transforming. That's the nature of things. But it's also an indication that our world is not fully formed. And the, the part that's missing, the sorcerer's apprentice, is us. That's very interesting. Very interesting. What do you think of past lives? Do you think past lives, uh, you know, when people like get, get glimpses of their past life, that they're, that they're time traveling or... Yeah. Is that just something that, you know, happens to happen? So, so, you know, I think like shamanic soul retrieval is very interesting, but you can, you can do it yourself. <laughs> you can do it yourself. Right. And, and you can also go farther back than that. You don't have to find where you've lost your soul as a child. Mm -hmm. You can go back into your last life to find out where you lost it, where you really got derailed, you know, and, 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 what, and what baggage you're carrying forward. You know, you can't necessarily change that, but you can learn from it. You can understand it. You know, every good psychologist tries to regress the client, usually, you know, in a meditative state, reclining on a sofa, right? Mm -hmm. Very much like meditation. And the, and the psychologist or the psychotherapist will take you back to an earlier time in this lifetime when you can wrap your arms around this child and understand it, where how it got to where you are today. Well, you can also do that. You can go forward, backward, 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 all the way to your past lives. I mean, it's been done. You know, Dr. Raymond Moody didn't start out looking at reincarnation, but he ended up totally believing in it. And, 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 and Michael uh, Newton, who wrote uh, Journey of Souls, Destiny of Souls, was just a, a, psycho, a, a psychologist. And he asked people to regress as far back as they could. Mm -hmm. I didn't anticipate they would go into previous lives, but they did. So, yes, uh, we have all lived previous lives, and it would be good to explore them. And you can. Well, that's, that's what I was thinking. I mean, you can put yourself in that mindset and send yourself back, technically, if you want to, right? Yeah, this is not, this is not tapping into your memory, okay. your, your mental brain memory. You, if you do this right, you tune out your brain memory, this part of your mind, which is brain mind. This is, this is consciousness. This is spirit going beyond time and space, as spirit can do, being light itself. Mm -hmm. So your consciousness can go backward in time, and it can explore your past lives. But you do it much like the psychologist putting the patient on the sofa, but you do it yourself. That's really interesting to me. Everything you say is interesting to me. That's why I'm so excited to have you on. Well, thanks. Um, um, what do you th what do you think uh, as far as as far as time slips go? Do you see a lot more of it happening than you did in the past, or or is it just because you because of you know your studies that more people are coming forward? Well, I think uh, both. I mean, more people. I mean, I'm, I'm having more of them myself mm -hmm. as I become more comfortable with it and not fighting mm -hmm. it. 
then I then I run into people that confess to having them. When I started talking about what is time, you know, I talked about um, uh, the the perfect perfect uh, uh, being in the present moment. You know, I mean, it's a departure point. You have to stop the world, as Castaneda said, stop the world. You have to reach now in order to go backward or forward in time. You have to stop it, you know, because we're on this like this roller coaster ride, which is our normal physical life. But more and more people are coming forward and saying, yeah, I've had these odd moments. You know, they're very reluctant. They call into shows like California Haunts Radio <laughs> and they talk to people like you and they say, yeah. You know, because this is like a place where you can confess, you know. Right, right. And you can say, I've had these moments, you know. My name is uh, Ruth X <laughs> from Unknown City, you know. Don't talk to my neighbors, but I've had this experience. You know, and they're very reluctant, like my mother was, to, to, to talk about odd moments of time shifts. Yeah, but they've had them. They just couldn't figure out what, what they were. They couldn't, they couldn't fully believe them. So at some point, if you rule out that it's not in your memory in this lifetime, that you've never read about it, heard about it, seen a movie about it, discussed it, or had it happen to you in this lifetime, that it must be outside normal space and time. So ergo, you were traveling in time. Do you think uh, when somebody has an experience like this, that, that it's like with the dreams, should, should they write it down right away so they don't forget? What I recommend is that when people come out of these experiences, just go into a, to a quiet place, a low-level meditation where you're just letting the experience float over you like a glove. And... Um, it's something I learned reading Blavatsky. She said, just let the words flow over you. Don't look at the words, just let them flow over you. And then pretty soon it just kind of eats into you. Don't analyze it too much. Just let it eke into you. And then, then get up and then try to write it down. Then you can analyze it. Same with your lucid dreams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can somebody... Um be having multiple experiences like this and not realize it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it could happen uh, again and again. I always like to encourage people to set it up initially as lucid dreaming because you can travel into your dreams. Of course you can. Mm -hmm. People do it all the time. They explore their past lives. They look into the future, prophetic dreams. And this is the easiest way for most people to get a hold of it. Most people find it difficult to get as deep into meditation, an active deep meditation that is required in samadhi mysticism. They can't get into a trance-like state like a shaman. Well, they can, they just they are afraid to. I mean, they can, but dreaming seems much more peaceful and relaxing. Mm -hmm. So, but the thing with dream work is you can like keep returning to the same dream over and over and over and developing it. And then you realize sometimes that you're actually experiencing a whole other life and it might be actually happening concurrent to this one a parallel life as well as a past life or a future life i mean there are many levels of reality we're like sitting on one part of an iceberg bopping in the bobbing in the sea with no understanding of how deep the iceberg is how how far back it goes beyond where we sit or how high up it is 
we just we just know where we are and we're afraid to move you know um people who i i think some people are afraid they can't get into that you know that meditative state you know to get that point but i think what they don't realize i want to ask you to verify this yep. what they don't realize is when you lay down and go to bed at night yep. and you're trying to go to sleep and you get to that point to where you're almost asleep yep. you're there you're there. You're absolutely you're there. So uh, I, I I remember doing a New York workshop once in a wonderful bookstore, and someone said, and he'd studied meditation for years, and he said, "Well, it, I've been told by my teacher that I'm it's 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 okay to meditate if I'm still if I'm still kind of aware that I'm in the room here and that I'm in my body," and I said, "Get another teacher. You know, you should be able to like." I said, "Let me ask you a question." I said, "Do you have a television?" He said, "Yes." Does it plug into the wall? I said, yes. I said, don't look, reach for the remote. Don't tune down the sound. Walk behind the TV and pull the cord. Pull the power plug. This is what you need to do. You need to like go to darkness. You know, go deep inside yourself till you see just darkness. And when you look into the darkness inside you, then you can see your inner consciousness. Wow. That that makes a lot of a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Um, another question I have. I have lots of questions. I'm full of questions. Um, how many years have, have you have you been practicing this to, to do this? Well, I don't know that I've ever really gotten the hang of it yet. <laughs> um, I it's hard to say. I I guess that um, I would have to say that in the, in the mid eighties, I got pretty good at like shifting in and out. In fact, I was doing it so frequently. I had to like kind of tone it down because I had no control. It was like a, the kid in the candy store is mm -hmm. like, Oh, boom, in, boom, out, boom, in, boom, out. And it's like, Oh, this is exhausting. I said like, well, you're wearing yourself out. You know, I, we're not all Sam Beckett's right. <laughs> um, and again, yeah, to go back on that, it, it is it is exhausting to do. I mean, it, it does take a lot of energy to do that. Now, when you see a movie like somewhere, like we were talking about somewhere in time, how do you, what do you think of that technique that that he was at? Even though it's not a real technique, obviously, but what do you think of that technique that he was using? Well, it's pretty close. It's pretty close to what the uh, yoga sutras talk about. You focus on something until you see only that, and then you focus on something at a le deeper, later level where you see nothing. Mm -hmm. You don't see it at all. That that's kind of a hint where invisibility is. <laughs> you see something until it, you don't see it at all. And um, we can do this with colors or, or many things. You can just keep looking until you don't see it at all. And the mind can be trained to do that. But um, the thing about, and, and it was also a sad romantic movie because Jane Seymour tries to find him. And at the end, she finds him, but, he, but he's young and he doesn't know her and she's old. And and it's like they, they, they couldn't connect in time at the right time. Again, they couldn't mm -hmm. capture that special moment. But I always think of this too, you know, that everything that's happened is still happening. Everything that will happen happen is already happening. Mm -hmm. So so don't worry about the future. You're already there. You just haven't caught up physically to where it is. And and, and every happy moment that ever existed in your past and you think is now gone, hold it dear to you because it's still there. It's still there. Everything is happening concurrently. We're just fixed in a perception 
at, at what we call here and now. When people um, have out-of-body, that's another thing I wanted to ask you real quick, out-of-body experiences. Yeah. Do you think that that's a force of a, a, a form of time travel or, or, a, or a slip in time that people can have to leave their bodies and look down and see what's going on? Absolutely, but most mostly people do this astrally, astral travel, astral mm -hmm. projection. But what I advocate is taking more than just your astral body. Okay. You know, I mean, being trained in Eastern mysticism, Eastern spiritual science, I see the body as, as a luminous egg of many layers. You have your, your, your etheric body, your, your emotional body, your mental body, your causal body, and your higher body forms, your, your buddhic awareness level, your cosmic awareness level, if you will, your Godhead. So you want to travel with everything but your physical body. Give it the night off. Let it rest. First, first of all, be sure your body is fully at rest. I mean, I do like what you might call self-hypnosis. This is my technique for getting into deep meditative trance. I, I focus on my feet. I put them to sleep. My legs get heavy and numb, and I put them to sleep. My torso, my arms, my chest. I go all the way to the top of my head, and then I don't forget to tune out my analytical brain. I just tune it out. No thoughts, no songs, no impressions, no sensory awareness. And then I go deep within, deep within, deep within, begin the controlled deep breathing, controlled deep breathing until I reach the, the dark still point deep within. And then I'm looking at my consciousness. And then I start to paint my picture or where do I want to go? What do I want to see? What do I want to learn? And then, and when it's formed, I say, let's go. Why not? Your body's fully rested and safe. Absolutely. This hour and 15 minutes went so fast. I've enjoyed it. It's been a blast. I would love to get I would love to get you back on and talk about other stuff. Oh, good, because I, I I actually do have a couple of books on thought forms coming out later in the year, Manif okay. manifesting in June, and then in um, November a sequel to that. It'll be uh, mysterious messages from beyond. Wow, that's going to be fun to to look at. Uh, where can people get your book, sir? Well, they tell me you can actually find this on Amazon.com, which folks have surprisingly heard of. And you can also find it on Barnes & Noble online. And it's distributed by Inner Tradition of Rochester, Vermont, and distributed for them by Simon & Schuster. So some bookstores, if they're open, would have it. Fantastic. Vaughn, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And like I said, I want to get back on with you. We set up another time to get you on for some more topics. Oh, and I would remind people not, not to plug my book, but any book uh, that you might want. Right. A lot of bookstores that are closed can still take orders for you. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. okay, well, thank you. And like I said, I would love to have you back on. I have so many questions for you about different things. I'm just really bowled over by it all. And I want to thank you so much. Good. We'll do it again. It's fun. All right, sir. Thank you so much, and I hope you make your ferry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, well, that was a great show. I learned a lot, and um, I'm going to see if I can get his books back up. I, the video didn't do what it was supposed to be. We'll see. So you guys can see what books he has out. I don't think I waited long enough, so we'll see. But anyway, um, it was great to have him on. I really wanted to have him on. Like I said, I had a personal experience with, with, with what I think was a time slip. 
But, oh, there we go. There they go. Now they're switching. Anyway, these, these are his books, and as you can see, there's a lot of topics that, you know, when I get him back on that we can talk about. And, and uh, yeah, so it was great. Um, I had a blast. But anyhow, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. Uh, if you like the show, please feel free to donate. PayPal me, PayPal.me at California Haunts. Um, all this comes out of pocket for, you know, I'm funding this stuff out of pocket and every little bit helps so we can keep the show going. Uh, internet costs, you know, whatnot, extra stuff. So please feel free to do that. If you like the show, share it with five of your friends. If you didn't like the show, share it with five of your enemies. Just get the show out there and share, share, share. Also, next week, next Monday, uh, David Brody is going to be returning. Um, that was the show we did a couple of weeks ago that my my uh, main computer died right at that moment. And so we lost the show right in the middle. Switched over to this one. And the onboard camera on this one wasn't looking so good. So we went ahead and rescheduled that show for Monday. We're going to be talking about ancient Roman ruins in, in, in the United States. So that's going to be a fun show. And uh, uh, I'm looking forward to that one. So be sure to check in Monday. And we're going to be on our regular time at 6.30 p.m or actually 6.25 for the five-minute intro, but 6.30 p.m. I want to let you guys know also that we are um, podcast, and this will be these will be converted into podcasts, and right now we are airing at Apple Podcasts and Spotify, in addition to YouTube, uh, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and all the other ones that we actually air at. So please come back and see us, and like I said, if you like the show, please share it with five of your friends. And for the people that are uh, our top sharers, I do have a schedule. I have April schedule done, so I will get April schedule out to you guys. And so that way you know who's going to be on the show ahead of time and what night and you know what times and stuff. There's times that we do vary because like like, like with Vaughn, he, he, he lives on an island, so he had to get to his ferry by, by 7.30, no later than 7.30 so he could get home tonight. So, you know, we'll do that or we'll go early because somebody's on, on the East Coast and they get up super early in the morning and, you know, we'll accommodate or we'll pre-record. But anyway, I want to thank everybody and uh, have a good weekend and look out for our next show because it's going to be a good one. Thank you very much, guys.